Welcome to the Grove Church Podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. Alrighty, good morning. It's good to see everyone, especially from this side of uh, the podium. I'm usually in the back over there, so I see all your backs, but now I can see all your faces. Yes. So if we have not had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Sher, and I'm going to say it again. My name is Sher. I know it's a, it's a name that you guys don't hear too often, and I'm probably the first guy you guys ever heard that name of, but oh, I'm going to throw in another loop for you guys. That's actually not my real name. I know. My real name is actually Chasha Hug. But sure is a lot easier, so <laughs> yes. Now, that's my Hmong name, and um, I'm Hmong. We are our own distinct people group. And so like a lot of other races, they try to claim us, which is very flattering. But <laughs> we are our own people. But the thing is, we don't have our own country. And so I think that's where it comes from. Like, hey, if you don't have a people group, just join us over here or something like that. We're like, OK. Yeah, and so, I mean, we're in America now, and so I am an American. I love that. Um, but a little bit about our people group. Uh, the Hmong people, um, probably the main reason why we don't have our own country is probably because we're very nomadic. So we live in the jungles, and we live in the mountains, and that's just where we do life. And so we're nomadic in that, like, we settle in an area, we kind of cultivate it, live there, and then maybe, you know, our grandparents are like, change the scenery, and they just kind of move on and all that sort of stuff. And so we've been, we're actually kind of like all along Southern Asia, kind of there, but now we spread out to like um, France, America, and even in Australia, a lot of random places. But God is working in all of that, right? And so that's a little bit about Hmong people, that's a little bit about me. Um, I am another intern here, besides Campbell, who had come up. I am the third intern here, if you guys don't know. Um, and what I get to do when, I, when I'm here is I get to serve alongside the other ministry teams that we have here, and I get to serve alongside the Set Up and Teardown team. So a lot of times you'll see me in the back, like again I said, or you see me carrying signs, flags, all those good stuff. But one of the reasons I love serving on the Set Up and Teardown team is because I get to serve with fathers and their sons. Not, not a lot of places I, I, I see that. And it's so cool to me that I get to see fathers teaching their kids, kind of guiding them along as we're serving together. It, it really is just so joyful, and it really is a blessing to kind of see all of that being worked out and, um, and serving together. So let me continue to share a little bit more about me here, and that I love stories. Man, I love stories. Sometimes when I get really engaged into a story, uh, you guys can't probably see it now, but I am having goosebumps right now. <laughs> and whenever, whenever I tell stories or I listen to stories, man, my friends will be like, yo, what's up with your arms? Like, what, what is all these goosebumps? We're just talking about like what we did yesterday or something like that. I'm like, I don't know, but I can't control it. <laughs> yeah, it just happens, it just happens. It's like a reflex or something, right? And so one particular story that I just, I love, is this movie called Inception. 
Now, this was a movie back in like 2010, if you guys haven't seen it. Um, it's, a, it's a great story. But um, kind of think about like Dr. Strange. Like he's able to do his mystic arts, if you guys have seen Marvel, and he can like bend reality, go into different realms, and all these sort of things. Well, before Dr. Strange, there was Inception, okay? And Inception, they did it in 2010, they did it awesome. Like, I was a kid, and I was, like, just glued to the TV. Well, one thing that I wanted to highlight from this movie, without spoiling anything, because you got to watch it, is that these group of people, the main characters, when they're in this dream world, they, they're actually awake. And as they're awake, they can do the craziest of things. They can build things from nothing. They can... Um, weaponize, whatever, just whatever, like their imagination is the limits. So a really funny thing in this, uh, in this movie is that as they're going to go into a dream, like someone else's dream together, they go to that dream and it's raining. They get into a taxi and then all of a sudden they start yelling at one guy. They're like, man, why didn't you use the bathroom before we got in the dream? And he's, he's getting all of this plaque from everyone and whatnot like that. You see like Trains being created in cities, you see buildings being lifted, the physics of the reality just being warped and stuff like that. Um, and back in 2010, I don't know how old it was, but I was like, that is so cool. And so just this, just thinking about, man, that's so mind-blowing of just creating purely through your thought, your thought process. That, that was so amazing. But the important thing to remember and I need to tell myself this, is that that's just a movie. It's not real. So as much as I would like to do those things, and as much as man has made things that probably as close as that, that's just not in the realm that we are able to do. But the thing is, before inception, there was God. And God, he can do those things. And so... It's actually the only, it's only something that Jesus, he can do. And so when he does create, he actually creates perfectly. So in the previous weeks, Pastor Krishna has explained that Jesus, he knows, and he knows everything. And that Jesus, he goes, and he's everywhere present. So what we're going to see in today's passage is that Jesus, he also makes. He is perfectly powerful. So that's a really big word, perfectly powerful. But scholars, they, they try to quantify it and simplify it. But I don't know, this word, it's, um, they use it to describe being all-powerful. It's omnipotent. I don't remember the last time I used that word. <laughs> but this word describes God's character here, about how he is all-powerful. But the thing is, we have to first understand that, well, God, he's actually perfect. Now, what does that mean? And bless trying to explain it, um, God, he is whole. And as he is whole, he does not increase, nor does he decrease. And so that is him being perfect. And so as he is perfect, he is, not, he is in his power unlimited. He is all-powerful. 
And so that means that he is not lacking in his ability to do anything. God is whole perfectly, and he is whole in power. So he's perfect in all these things. But what is interesting is that what we're going to see here in the Psalms is that David actually chooses to describe God's power here a little bit differently. And so we're going to see that David talks about God's character. And I want us to also realize that when David talks about God, or God's character, he's also talking about Jesus' character. Okay? And so since we've been in this series and we've been in Psalms 139 uh, for a couple weeks now, we're going to be seeing how David, when he speaks about God's power in our lives, that means that Jesus is actually perfectly powerful. So if you guys to turn with me to Psalms 139, uh, we're going to be in verses 13 to 18. Um, there's going to be Bibles below you and in front of you. It's going to be on page 558. If you guys do not have a Bible, um, go ahead and take that Bible and make it your own. Think of it as a gift from us to you guys, right? Now, if you guys are there, um, I'm going to read here. It says this. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when you were made in secret. When I was made in secret. When I was formed in the depth of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless, and all my days were given in your book, and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious your thoughts are to me, how vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. Now, Jesus' power here is most perfectly displayed in how we are made. Now, usually, when I think about God's power, my mind automatically thinks about the big miracles in the Bible. And if you're like me, my mind goes straight to creation. Because in Genesis 1, God literally speaks into being everything. And that's important. All right, God, he creates and he says, let there be light. And this, there's light. He says, let the waters under the skies be gathered into one and let the dry land appear. And it happens. He says, let the earth produce vegetation. He created the sun and the moon, the planets, the stars, and the skies. And he does all this as he speaks. Now, this is one way that God showcases his power. Oh, I'll take these off here. That when God creates, he speaks. And at the end of his creation, God, he actually chooses not to speak, but then to form. And he, when he forms, he actually forms man in his own image. So we see that, man, God is actually treating man differently from the rest of his creation. Now, why is God doing that? Well, it's because 
We are in the image of God, and that has significant worth. It means that we reflect God in who he is. It means that we love God, and we love the things that God loves. That also means that we dislike the things that God dislikes. Now, all of this is to show that we are God's masterpiece. We're his crowning jewel of his creation. Now, how does this creation and, and us being God's crowning jewel, how does that connect with what David was talking about, us being knitted together in our mother's womb? Well, it's because David is actually trying to explain here that when it seems that we may be out of God's reach, he's actually still there. And then that is a testament to his power. Okay, So we're going to be looking here a few verses back um, to verse 11 and 15. And we're going to read through it here. It says this. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are a light to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you, because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you, and I was made in secret when I was formed in the depth of the earth. Now, David, when he talks about darkness here, he's saying that, man, even in darkness, God, you're there. So much so is he even there when we are being formed in our mother's belly, that he's not distanced from us. And actually, David actually points to this, that God's power and how he created is actually shown in the conception of a baby. And David, he's actually marveling at this process, that God's power as he creates, man, he chooses to be very detailed as he creates babies. And so we find here that David is actually pointing to pointing us to see that God's power it starts out as a very small thing and that God's power is best displayed in creating mankind, his crowning jewel. So what does this mean then? That David focuses on not that's anything that's far from us, but he chooses to actually focus on what is right in front of us. He chooses to focus on us, Right? David uses the conception of a child in their mother's belly to display this almighty power. And it's because we have worth. We are made in the image of God, and that power is perfectly displayed in that. Now, how is this displayed in conception? Well, it's because it's in the details. As we're reading this, David, he's being detailed in how God is forming. And I think the really crazy thing is that David, he does not know as much about the human body that we do now. And yet he's able to describe it in such a way that is very intimate and is very personal. 
And so the word I chose to use for this is that God is, he's meticulous. Now that's a big word, uh, at least for me. (laughs) I chose to use this word because it describes exactly what God, he does. It means that God, he is, he's extremely careful and thorough and he's concise in creating us. It's funny, don't take this the wrong way, but I went to go look at how babies are conceived in that the body of a woman, they change. Um, sources say, Google, that there are <laughs> more than seven different body systems in the woman's body. That's more, so at least seven. There's more than that. That is working for nine months so a baby can be born. I am so grateful that I am a man. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had slept wrong the other day, and my back was hurting, and I was like, I couldn't even take this. I don't know how girls think of babies. But it's, it's amazing how, how even in all of these different systems that have to work together, precision, all these things, the order, the time. I think there's, what, there's three trimesters, right? Okay, yes, yes. And, and God, he does all of this. He's precise. He's meticulous. He's in the details, and he creates every single person with care. Now, David here, he sees that this is not something that's abstract. This is something that's very personal, and it is. He does this for every single person, every single person. So what does this mean for all of us then? Well, it means that, man, if God's taking all this time, that means that You and I, we are not a mistake. We're not a mistake. Every image-bearing person that God did not mess up on you, that when God made you a boy, he didn't mess up in that. Thank goodness. When he made you a girl, he didn't mess up on that. Your parents that you came from, he didn't mess up in that. The thing is, God, he cannot fail. Remember, he is perfect. Failing, what the heck? You cannot associate with God. But here's the thing that we do know, and that is that powerful people, they do fail. I was thinking about, I was trying to think about a powerful person to give an example about, and I'm just like, I don't know who, or there's just too many. And I was just thinking about men. Probably the ones that come to mind are our heroes. They're probably very powerful in our eyes. But believe it or not, they fail. They fail. And that powerful things, they fail. I'm thinking about buildings. I'm thinking about structures. I'm thinking about all these things that man has actually made with their hands. They're not forever. They will fail. I'm thinking about the Titanic. What is it, like their first voyage or something? Oh, man. And so, powerful people, powerful things, they fail. But powerful, perfectly powerful beings, they do not fail. And that is God. And we can trust in God in that he is perfectly powerful, and he did not, 
He did not fail in making you. And again, we are not a mistake. Now what this means for us is that we are to love the image of God in others and in ourselves. I know some days it's hard to look in the mirror. But then that person in the mirror, well, that's, that's the image of God. And this, this cuts me pretty deep, and, and that is that when we hurt or when we talk down to somebody, we're talking down, we're hurting the image of God in that person. And this is why God speaks so much about forgiveness and about loving. It's important to them. And this is all because God knows our worth and how we are formed in a mother's womb and how we bear his image. This displays how Jesus is perfectly powerful. Now in this, in this next passage, we see that Jesus' power is most perfectly displayed in how we are shaped. So in verse 16 here, it says, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Now, this is a really big thought, okay? That before there was me, before there was you, God knew you entirely. I'm just going to say it again because I think it sounds so cool. That before there was a you and there was a me, God knew you entirely. I don't know myself entirely. (laughs) Dude. So this passage is really talking about his knowledge. And it gives us a glimpse of the reaches of God's knowledge. Now, you might be asking, sure, I thought thought you were talking about him being all-powerful. Why are you talking about him being all-knowing now? What's well, because David talks about it. That's the easy answer. But it's, it, it's because the thing about all powerful people, all powerful beings, is that it does not make sense if they are not all knowing. It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense in this that if a powerful being, an all powerful being, was not all knowing, they would be limited. God, he is not limited in his being. He is not. He is whole. He is all-powerful and he is all-knowing. And and this is a testament to his power in his knowledge. It is displayed in how he knows us entirely, the good and the way bad that we try to hide. He knows it all. He is there with us when we were not formed, and he will continue to be with us as we live. He knows our future and what it holds, and he's able to prepare us into what is ahead of us. It's kind of like when you are putting together a puzzle, and you don't know what pieces go where. Now, behind me here is actually a puzzle. I don't know if you can make that out. But if you can't make it out, that's how hard the puzzle is. Yeah. I actually had to put a puzzle like this 
uh, together for my sister's wedding. They decided to take a picture like this. They're in the middle, they're very small, and behind them is all these clouds. It took me and my family a whole month. And it's all, it, it only took us a month because we had to rush it because the wedding was coming. It's, it's hard. We have the box, it don't help. I think even with the box, man, it's hard. And so if you're like me, when you're putting together puzzles, you might even start thinking, there's pieces missing. There gotta be, there's gotta be. This is too hard. But here's the thing, is that Jesus, he knows. He knows. He's able to put the pieces of our lives together without the box. Just without the box. I think that's already crazy. I don't know anybody who put puzzles together without boxes. Who are these people? But to be able to place the puzzle pieces of our lives together perfectly, exactly when it's supposed to, And he does this for every single person. That's crazy. That's mind-blowing for me. Well, Jesus, he knows and he goes. He's able to shape us and reshape us. But this is only can be done through Jesus. It can only be done through Jesus. As Jesus speaks to Nicodemus in John 3 here, he says, and he tells him, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And then in that same chapter, Jesus continues the thought with John 20 to 21. It says this, For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his work may be shown to be accomplished by God. By God. And how he shapes us and he reshapes us, he does this in order that we may grow to reflect him. That we may become more Christ-like. But the thing is, in order to be shaped by Jesus, you must also trust in him shaping your life. Now, that sounds simple enough, but, oh, man, that's hard. That's hard. Because this may look like something that we don't want and definitely what we don't expect. Now, I'm saying this because this is something that I had struggled with as well. Uh, I remember a time back when I was starting college, and it was the best. Man, I was away from home, no parents, freedom. Oh, man, I was wild. It was fun. But the thing is, I went to a Bible school. It was still fun. But the thing is, like, I started off at this Bible school for like a few months. Man, I was on this very big spiritual high. It was, it was, it was awesome. It was great. Learning about the Lord, going to chapels, all these things. But then after a few months into it, I started to dim. And it, it was just really confusing. But the, thing was, but the thing was that that wasn't the problem. The problem was that I, was no, I no longer felt God's presence um, with me. And that was very bizarre. It was very bizarre. But I did not know how to make sense of it. Now, I knew that God, he's not bound to me. I don't tell him to come and go, right? 
But his word says that he will always be with me. He will always be with us. And his word says that. So, so why was it that I was feeling this sort of way that he was not present with me? And it's, I mean, I tried to shrug it off as if it was nothing, but I was just so restless. I just did not have peace about this. But the thing was, even though I was not at peace and I was really restless, I never brought this to God. I never brought this to him. I had thought that this was too much of a little thing to inconvenience such a big God. So though I would go to him and pray, God, let your will be done. Thank you for your mercies. I just always thought that God could do more with less of me. Sorry. Okay. But it wasn't until um, that I was walking up a flight of stairs that I, come to, I came to realize that in me trying to be considerate of God and his grand responsibility and what he was doing in this world, I was actually belittling God. I was belittling him in his power and in his being. I'm sorry. I was thinking that God was too busy with the rest of the world. So why would I add on to add my insignificant worries onto his plate? So even though I was thinking this way to not burden him, oh man, I was actually limiting him in his power. Our God is not a smug God. He's not a small God. He's not so small that by his children's coming to him, with their worries and concern that it would take away from him. God, he's all powerful and he shows us this, shows us this in such a personal way that he personally went on the cross but he was willing to suffer on our behalf. 
And again, going back to it, believe it or not, this realization had come to me when I was walking up a flight of stairs. And it was in, I don't know how God works. He's, he's amazing. He's all powerful. But as I was taking a step up the stairs, all of this just kind of zoomed in. I was taking up, I was walking up these flight of stairs. Maybe it was a little bit bigger than this. And for some reason, I was like, I'm just going to close my eyes. So I'm walking up these stairs. I'm closing my eyes. Cause you guys, have you guys ever had the feeling of, like, messing up a step? I don't know. I thought it would be, like, I'd be cool if I could, like, do it instinctively or something. I don't know. But I was doing that. I would take the next step forward, and I really did not know where the heck I was. But surely enough, the step was there for me. I felt very happy. I was like, okay, I didn't stumble. Hopefully there aren't girls around to see me do that. And so in the same way, as I was thinking those thoughts and I was going up the stairs, I had thought, what if I take these steps up the stairs, not knowing whether God was going to be there? Should I still do it? Well, again, his word says that he will be there. His word says this, that he will be there. And so I took that step, and that step was there. And I planted my feet there firmly. And I don't know how God did it, but he did it in, in, I can't even say it. That's how crazy it is. That's how amazing it is. In that one step, all this realization that I can go to the Father, I can go to Jesus. He's big enough to carry my worries and everyone's. So we can trust in Jesus to shape us. That was just a moment, and he used that to shape me. We can trust in him to shape us. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says this. Cast all your worries on him because he cares about you. It is because that knowledge that we should trust him to shape our lives. Because he did not fail when he made you for nine months in your mother's womb. And he's not going to fail you to carry through your life. He's not going to fail. But the thing is, as we're being shaped, we forget. In the past couple weeks here, Pastor Christian has challenged us with the gospel prayer. And in order to remind us that we should live as the Lord, as he is shaping us. A part of that shaping is treating others like God treats them. And that is what the image of God, that is what we do. So the gospel prayer here challenges us to pray that as Jesus has been to me, I will be like to others. Just as trusting in Jesus to shape us, Trusting in Jesus saves us. Because you cannot be reshaped without being saved. You cannot. In that Jesus' power is most perfectly displayed in how we are saved. Because he saves us completely. Completely. 
So in this next passage, verses 17 and 18, it reads this. Lord, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast their sum. If I counted them, they would be outnumbered the grains of sand. When I wake up, I'm still with you. God here, he's recounting that we are his crowning jewel of creation. Just in this psalm alone, just to be able to reflect on this. It's too grand that David, he's not able to comprehend it. In just this psalm, he's not. And yet, in verse 17, when David says, when I wake up and I'm still with you, what David here is actually talking about is that when life ends and he wakes up into eternity, he will be in heaven with the Lord. When he wakes up, I will be with you. He will be with the Lord. Now, just thinking about David's confidence that he will wake up and continue to know more deeply who Jesus is in heaven. I don't know about you, but that's very inspiring. That's some confidence that I want. But the thing is, that confidence, that, not, that may not be our confidence. But I want to say that that can be your confidence. Now, death is no minor thing. It's actually an absolute thing. Everything that draws breath will eventually die. Everything. And that could be a very sad thing, and that could be a very scary thing. And that makes death very powerful. That scared me. Now, death is the result of sin. And as sin spreads, so does death. These two, they're very closely linked together. But sin itself, it actually spreads faster, festers. And it has internal consequences. It's scary to think. The penalty of sin against an all-powerful, all-righteous God is eternal separation from God. And death is an absolute in this world. It has great power. But Jesus isn't just more powerful. He's all-powerful. All-powerful. This means that if you stack death against Jesus, Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Jesus wins over death, and he doesn't just win, he wins it completely. It says here in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, Death, you have been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory, where death is your sting. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this sounds like whoever's saying this is being kind of cocky. You're saying, oh, death, where's your sting? 
Now, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And he didn't just only pay for part of that debt. He paid for it completely. It's done. In Colossians 2.14, it talks about how Jesus pays for our debt in full across, on the cross. And it says this. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us, opposed to us, and was taking it away by nailing it on the cross. It is on the cross where we see Jesus' perfect power on display. Jesus works on the cross that saves us, and he trusts in him. We trust in him in that he had accomplished what we have done. Now, he exerts this power to save sinners, to bring forgiveness in your life. In Ephesians here, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says, For you have been saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we have his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Now, this means that our salvation is entirely the work and power of God. And it's not of our own works. Thank goodness. God's all-powerful. If I, if I was in charge of whatever I had to do to be saved, it's not even worth saying. Yeah. But Jesus, he makes a way so that the power of death could not be able to hold us back from declaring what David actually declares. And that is that when we wake up at the end of our lives and we step into eternity like David does, we will be with Jesus. And that is actually another absolute. And that we as believers, we will be with Jesus. Now believe that another truth that God has instilled in me is that I will forever love stories. Now I enjoy mind benders like Inception. But the stories I enjoy more than these mind benders and thrillers Man, they're actually real stories, real stories from people who share their testimonies about how God, how Jesus shapes them and how Jesus, he saves them. I love these stories. They actually give me the craziest goosebumps. And I want to hear all of your guys' stories. So I pray that this psalm has been a blessing to all of you. And that as you guys have been reflecting on this, that you guys have seen Jesus' power is most perfectly displayed in us, in how he made us in the womb, and how he shapes us in our living, and how he has saved us into eternity. So some next steps that we can take here is the gospel prayers. That God is intentional and he wants us to grow. That as God has been to me, so I will also be to others. And this is a part of just Jesus shaping us. Another step here is you guys could, as a group or individually, meditate on Psalms 139, verse 14. It says this, I praise you because you have been remarkably, because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. Let us pray.
Lord, we thank you that you formed us, that you continue to guide us, that you love us enough to send your son, Jesus Christ, to come and die on the cross for us. God, only you are strong enough and wise enough to be able to save us. And Lord, we thank you. Or reflecting on the details of this psalm, David paints such a vivid picture for us. And we ask that you continue to draw us near to you. And that you make your power known to us. That you are able to shape us to reflect on your son Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask that none of us will just hear this message and chop it up to a simple story. But we will continue to open our hearts to you and the truth that is in your word. Let us continue, Lord, to be in awe of you and your wondrous works all around us and especially in us. Let us never get comfortable with your son, Jesus Christ, and that what he did on the cross to pay for our sins. And Lord, until we are reunited, I pray that you work mightily in the lives that are here in my life in such a way that we would not be able to ignore you. And I pray this all in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us. And join us again next week for another podcast from The Grove Church. Have a great day.